0: Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden and this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott accountants and business advisors. Joining me, you're more the co-host than I am. You've been here for the past few weeks and I have not. This is
1: my show. Should I do the intro? You should Welcome to Business in Vancouver's podcast. (laughs) I'm Patrick Blenderhasset.
0: Haley, thanks for joining me. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's good to be back. I can say that much, but Why don't we kick it off with you? I've been away for four weeks. You tell me what you're covering and what stories have your eye.
1: Oh, man. Uh, Where to start? Well, I think the, the interesting thing to talk about is what's going on in Surrey. Mm. Uh, Linda Heppner is not going to run again, as I'm sure a lot of people know. Um, Gregor Robinson's not running. There's a bunch of other mayors not running. There's a lot of articles circulating out around there about how many mayors are not running in uh, the lower mainland. And great piece by Francis Bula in The Globe, I think it is, about how social media attacks might be playing into this. Mm. Um, I've interviewed Heppner. You've interviewed Heppner. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really. Just a nice person. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the best thing for politics. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way yeah, if to Yeah, people say won it.
0: for just being a nice person, yeah. the world would be a very different place.
1: And I think she got the sort of, I guess you call it the hand of God touch from Diane Watts. And sure. was basically picked as her successor. And, I mean, when I was covering the election with you, I was sort of flabbergasted when she won I didn't think that she was going to win and by the margin that she won she like destroyed Brenda Rizzotti and mm-hmm. Doug McCallum and so she came in and basically everybody was like all right it looks like Diane Watts's legacy is carrying on so um but yeah and she's said that she's going to be a one-term mayor and I can see that I think she she wears her heart on her sleeve like I've interviewed her now since she's been mayor probably like half a dozen times and you could kind of see after more and more interviews, she seems like she was getting a bit worn down and she just wants to, I think she's more of a public servant than than basically a politician. So, because mm. her background is she started with it the of yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrey. So, for
0: quite a long time, too.
1: So, I don't know. So, what that does leave is that leaves a pretty big hole. Um, I don't know if Miss Watts is considering running again, but. I don't know. You never know there. Uh, that is obviously a pretty huge asterisk, but there's sort of three candidates from Surrey First that are sitting on council right now that I would say are eyeing it. Uh, Bruce Hain is pretty much I would say a shoe in to run. He's kind of like I'm trying to think of a good way to describe him. He's like everybody's favorite uncle. Mm. I mean, you know, I don't know if you interviewed Bruce Hain. He's just i haven't no no no. he's just super nice and um he's been down in surrey for a long time he's done a lot in the community he's done a lot for that city and he doesn't seem like he has a lot of enemies everybody likes him so i can see him as the front runner and he's also made his intentions pretty clear i think he went on red fm and basically said you know i can't i'm not declaring right now but i probably will sometime Mm -hmm. soon so um I would say right now he's the front runner. You've got Tom Gill and Mike Starchuk who have also said that they're interested. I've interviewed both of them a bunch of times. Tom's more of a numbers guy. He sits in a lot of finance committees. He's also sort of been uh, within Surrey for a very long time. Starchuk's kind of a new guy He's a former firefighter, but he's kind of making waves sort of pushing climate change, agricultural land, stuff like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I would caveat all of this as I'm sure Diane Watts is potentially possibly thinking. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know. Let's but- think
0: about that though. So she ran as an MP, was successful, but the Conservative Party was not. Yeah. Left that to make a BC Liberal leadership bid, was yeah. not successful. So now it who knows what she's going to do. Do you make the decision to go back and risk? Maybe not being welcomed back with open arms. She left on a high note. I think everyone can yeah. say that. She has a legacy intact. Yeah. She built Surrey first. She built Surrey in many ways in Surrey City Center Innovation that's Boulevard. An, Yeah,
1: and that's not an overstatement. She really did build Surrey, right? Yeah, like, literally.
0: She, so do you dig that up and mess with that? Do you risk it? I oh, don't know. Man,
1: we should get her in here and, and we talk should. to her about it. But that is a, it's a, I think it's a difficult decision for her because you can kind of see the way that she was going is that. You know, running federally and running provincially means that she has bigger dreams than just being the mayor of Surrey. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So this would be sort of counterintuitive to that. You know, she'd be not taking a step back, but she'd be going back to her roots a little bit. Um, However, she could run and probably win and just kind of she could probably run as an independent and beat the Surrey First Councillor, whoever is appointed. So I don't know. And then what does she do then? She does another couple terms at Surrey or does she look for something else? I don't know. Does she look for a Senate seat? I know Mr. Gregor Robertson has been itching yeah. for a Senate seat for a very long time now, but Mr. Trudeau doesn't want to give him one. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I, I mean, my money right now, if I, I was a caveat this, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would say Mr. Hain. Definitely looks like he might be the front runner sort of coming out of the pack. So
0: I wonder why you're not a betting man, Patrick.
1: We're not. (laughs) How long is this? I gotta bring it up. I was gonna bring it up. Let's not go there. (laughs) Don't go there.
0: Are you gonna cover the surreal election?
1: I believe so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see who Timothy gives it to, but I'm I'm guessing it'd probably be mine, given the fact that I've been covering that city for a while. But
0: Surrey beat,
1: yeah. Timothy, of course,
0: Timothy Renshaw being our
1: managing editor, yeah. yeah,
0: At BIV, yeah. I I I remember we that was one of my first projects for BIV, and that's how we met. We covered the Surrey municipal election, the three candidates you mentioned at the time, and I think Linda Hepner surprised everyone, but the Surrey first slate, and I think that. Diane Watts' legacy. Yeah, played a big. Role. She still
1: looms incredibly large over that city. I mean, and incredibly large over Surrey First. And I don't know how much her relationship has been frayed with Surrey First, and how much her relationship has been frayed with the city or Linda Hepner or anything along those lines. But I do know that if she throws her hat in the ring, it will most definitely make things very, very interesting. So
0: there you go. We'll have to watch that. And same with what's going to happen in Vancouver. That's going to be an interesting race too. Yeah. It'll be an interesting year for politics.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Can you stick around? Because that'll save me from talking to myself about my two (laughs) news stories. I can do that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back after this. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manny Elliott accountants and business advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or you can check them out online at ManningElliott.ca. There's been a lot of news related to pipeline politics. If anyone's been following Business in Vancouver and BIV.com, we have a lot of coverage of the first ministers meeting on Sunday. But the latest news, Patrick, has been really interesting. Alberta rushed through some legislation that essentially Mm. would allow the government to order companies to cease exports of oil, natural gas, diesel, gasoline, some other products. And Alberta Premier Rachel Notley has made it clear that if the Trans Mountain Pipeline Project doesn't move forward, they're going to point their crosshairs at BC, so to speak, turn off the taps, and potentially cease exports. A very bold move. Saskatchewan also looking to pass similar legislation this week.
1: Yeah, we are kind of the uh, unfavorite child in the West, most definitely. I think they, they want to get the oil out. It was funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Alberta and he mentioned something that I hadn't sort of put my finger on is that. Um, Notley's approval ratings are going up when she takes shots at BC like this. So this might be like as much of an economic play as it is a political play for her. I mean, she's looking to po- possibly get reelected. So every time Albertans sort of stick it to BC, I think maybe it helps her in, in a political sense.
0: Yeah, I think the political question around her and what she's doing, is she doing enough? Is she doing enough to protect yeah. a major Albertan industry. I think that's the question. She's made some very bold stances. But if you're in Alberta, you might have a very different perspective than if you're here in BC, sort of on the, the end of what she's talking about, and what she's threatening to do. One of the questions I have, if I were in an Albertan company, we were talking about this before we went on air, but this is a pretty significant piece of legislation. The government can essentially order a company to cease exports. That can hit your bottom line. And if you disobey, you're facing fines of up to ten million dollars Which might be small if you're like a massive oil and gas company. Yeah. But still, it's sort of the sentiment behind that. Now, Saskatchewan's looking to pass similar legislation. I would be a little bit wary of getting caught up in what's a massive national public interest story. Of course, it's important, but, you know, sort of missing the forest for the trees on this one.
1: Yeah. To use another analogy, I mean, shooting yourself in the foot. If you looked if <laughs> yeah. you looked in the dictionary and you're shooting yourself in the foot, I feel like this legislation would be underneath that. It's like, it doesn't benefit anyone in the long term. It doesn't even benefit anyone in the short term. All it does is sends a political message, basically, which, I mean, when we're talking about internal politics, this would be a lot different if this was happening between, say, Canada and the US. Because then that's bilateral trade. This is internal trade. When you think about Canada's GDP, anytime something happens in Newfoundland, that affects what happens in Vancouver. It affects what happens in Alberta. I mean, we're not doing anybody any good by starting this internal trade war. It just seems silly if you ask me. I don't know.
0: It's yeah. And who knows? There's no clear end in sight. We'll see. Uh, Trudeau said That his government will be speaking to Kinder Morgan in private about financial assurances. So who knows where that will leave that whole situation. That's a whole other issue too.
1: Well, and then you got Justin Trudeau coming in here and like this could be – Legacy defining for him. I don't know if you've read Kirk's column and BIV.com. I mean, it was excellent talking about how the fact that this could define his prime ministership, basically. Like, if he's not able to pull this together, it could really sort of sour people to sort of, you know, Justin Trudeau and his sunny ways and bringing everybody together. So
0: it would be interesting to analyze the way he's talked about these issues too, because he's had to become very firm on these issues compared to, say, when he was campaigning. It was much more fluid and I think a little uncertain about how his government would fall on these issues. So that's an interesting one to watch. The other thing, if there's another thing that might define Trudeau's legacy, I think it would have to be NAFTA in that negotiation, if only because it's such a monumentous event with a lot of uncertainty and who knows what's going to happen. The latest this week, though, U.S. senior Democrat Chuck Schumer arguing that the U.S should take a rare opportunity to try and push Canada to open its dairy market, which historically closed, supply managed, would be a a boon for U.S. farmers and dairy producers. Yeah. But Canada hasn't budged one inch. So I think that speaks a little bit, too. There's a lot of optimism this week and last week about NAFTA maybe being figured out over the next couple of weeks. The U.S. would like to see dairy in NAFTA, and we're worlds apart on that issue. So I really don't know how close we are to figuring out this deal.
1: Yeah. And I know the TPP 11, one of our foot dragging things was dairy as well, sort of opening up our dairy market to places like Japan and, and bilateral trade with that. I don't know. I've covered the dairy market and it's obviously an interesting thing with it's being subsidized. It, it just seems like the dairy market has way too much control of itself. In a free market, I'm not sure that uh, an import-export commodity like this should be allowed to sort of regulate itself. Should be allowed to sort of clamp and set prices. I mean, I'm just speaking from my own personal opinion here, but I I do agree with Schumer, and it's like it's time to open this up and and sort of let the free market kind of sort it out a little bit more. I mean, this protectionist policy towards our dairy, I don't I don't get it. Like I don't understand it. So
0: well, and I think this has been something I've sort of only. Caught on to over the past couple of years, but for consumers, you know, the the threat to the industry here in Canada is that the U.S. is going to come in with cheaper products that consumers prefer. But that means that right now, consumers are subsidizing this multi-million-dollar, if not billion-dollar industry. We're paying much higher prices than we otherwise would.
1: I don't even drink milk anymore. I don't know. Do you drink milk or no? I drink almond milk or soy. Yeah, same here. It's a lot easier on my stomach. So
0: yeah. (laughs) There you go. But they do spend a lot of time and money on telling people to drink milk.
1: Yeah, you can't can't turn on the TV without getting the Canadian dairy farmers (laughs) giving you a new commercial.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, Patrick, thanks so much for joining me and preventing me from talking in a room by myself with our technical director listening to me. I'm glad to
1: help out, yeah.
0: (laughs) Always appreciate having you on the radio show and the podcast. And this podcast has been brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business advisors. If you want past podcast radio shows, more business news, head on over to BIV.com. Our podcasts are also available on iTunes. That's it for today. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll be back tomorrow.